Hi, I'm Bryce. And I'm Will. And this is SideQuests, a podcast about game design, learning, and staying on topic. Only two of those three, actually. That's accurate. <laughs> so you get to decide which two, based on the result of this podcast. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a choose-your-own podcast. And it could become more of a choose-your-own podcast if you want to send us an email asking us questions. We'd love to answer people or respond to people's comments. If you want to, you can email us at... Uh, SideQuests podcast. No. No, we can never do this right. <laughs> Contact. At... Sidequests podcast. Yes, contact at sidequestspodcast.com. That's one podcast, uh, many, many side, side quests. quests. Yeah, a bunch of side quests. Yeah, yeah. That was a great segue. You nailed the segue. I know. And then I, I sort of failed to come up with one to get out. Yeah. That's all right. Just kind of floundering around. So, do we have any news? Um, well, you have some news. Well, yeah. So I said last time, you may remember, that I got a new job at Scratch. And since recording that last podcast, I have started working, which is why the last podcast was so late. In the news, I said that I had not started, but that was true when I recorded, but not when I released the podcast. Right. So we're coming out of a vortex of time, a time vortex. And so some of the timeline and facts are a little bit wibbly wobbly at the moment. Yeah, you can't trust anything we say from from here on out. <laughs> At least as it relates to things that have happened or right, are yeah. going to Time happen. Time or space. Yeah, um, or possibility. Right, yeah. So covers most things. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so yeah, so I have started. I've been mostly just learning things constantly. Like all of the structure for the back end of how Scratch is made and released to people and... Which is pretty significant, right? I mean, it's a pretty big website yeah. with a lot of users concurrently and it's, a lot of moving parts. And Yeah, it's, it's for example, part of the national curriculum of France. Right. So that's cool. And there's a lot going on and a lot of other sort of partner organizations that involve, like, interacting with them and to, like, get Scratch to be part of other people's projects right. and stuff like that. That's, that's really interesting that I am not going to go into. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, for example, if you go to Scratch, you can go to extensions and add the Lego WeDo right, right, as, right. like, an extension. Like, you can write code that interacts with this Lego motorized censoring thing. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a Lego robotics set, but it's it's a little simpler than the, than the Mindstorms. Or simpler isn't even the right word. Yeah, um, well, it has old, fewer bits. Yeah, I guess it maybe simpler is the right word. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's exactly the right word. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it only has two ports, but they can go to motors or sensors or both. And so it's pretty cool. You can do some fun things. So your code can interact with the real world, which is nice. So you can do fun things with yeah, it. Like make a Ferris wheel. Yeah. Or an, an inchworm or a snail. <laughs> Somebody made a snail while I was at, in the office. I think when the, the folks came to our work, came to Parts and Crafts, and they when we're testing that extension out, and a lot of different things were made. A, a like bad robot xylophone player was made Ooh. that would just kind of drop the mallet on the xylophone. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> didn't like the, the motor didn't actually like hit it hard enough to to make ah. a ring. So it was kind of like clunk. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> it's like the Simone Yatch. Yeah. Her name is not pronounced the way that you would pronounce it if it was an English last name. Oh well, uh, it's like looks like Gertz. Yeah. 
but it's not pronounced like that. It's pronounced a different way. Um, and she makes shitty robots. Yeah, that's what uh, she yeah, says. It, it had a very it, yes, it was very similar to to, to that um, aspect. Nice. And then another child made a thing that just counted every time he jumped up and down, and then he jumped up and down for I, I think to get it up to a thousand or something. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a good use. Yep, it was yeah. Any child who wants to jump up and down a thousand times uh, probably should be doing yeah, so. Yeah, just let them because um, it's pretty low impact on the rest of the world because yep. they just land in that same spot. Right. Unless you're on uh, like a rickety deck, right, or like um, an asteroid, or or a friend, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then you should tell them to just do it on the ground. Some kind of unstable reactor, um. mm. right? Anyway, so like Lego is involved. Right. So there's like a relationship between the Scratch team and Lego that makes that happen. That device be part of Scratch, which is cool. It's pretty great. Yeah. So there's this, this learning process that I um, I have never had a job in an organization that was sizable when I started the job. Mm. So I have never had to learn a bunch of systems simultaneously. I have always been involved in the slow accrual of systems. Yeah. Um, although, you know, we did a hiring this fall and I was on the other side of that. Right. Where I it's like, oh, and this is the place where we keep these documents and this is how we do this. And we're not like... A tech company so there's fewer accounts and systems and services and mm-hmm. but there's still just a lot of there's informal data structures about how the information is stored and transmitted right and there's not none because i set up a lot right. of those, yeah. <laughs> those documents and there are tools that you need accounts for yeah, like, yeah. No, that's true like that. yeah and you just keep coming up and it was definitely interesting to kind of be explained i, I think that i did not succeed in not overwhelming people. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. It wasn't a conscious enough goal of mine Mm. that... I yeah. So I realized I realized that should have been a goal. Yeah, um, once in, I noticed that the whelm level was <laughs> was wrong. Yeah, you you want to be exactly whelmed. Yeah, all the time and not underwhelmed or overwhelmed. It's very hard. It's a like, yeah. kind of hard optimization problem. <laughs> yeah. One thing about what I'm going through is that it's a web application and quite a lot of it is made in Node.js, mm-hmm. and which is just. Broadly speaking, true of, of, of web applications. The internet, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Most uh, of it is Node.js. And and what Node.js is, is slightly confusing. It is JavaScript, but then Node is a tool for combining other JavaScript that other people have written into your JavaScript. Or you get to write your JavaScript on top of other people's JavaScript right. that they have written. JavaScript being a programming language. Yeah, it has like a package a good packaging system and it essentially is a packaging system although maybe that's npm which is node package right. manager yeah. is different from node.js but right. maybe not yeah i think well yeah i have definitely typed npm mm-hmm. blah to get wizardry to happen yeah and so the idea is you don't have to write all of your own software Right. Because somebody has written something that does it for you. And this is remarkably confusing to get up to speed with because people have been slowly adding NPM packages to build your awesome service that's happening for years and years 
or you know months and months or whatever right and so in order to know really what's happening you have to learn at least a little bit about a whole lot of different things now i'm not working directly with the code so for the most part this doesn't matter to me so much because what i'm doing is looking at the end product and making it work but i'm still looking at tools and learning new things and using node to get those things set up and learn about them yeah I, mean, I guess that code bases and organizations and you know all all complicated systems incrementally gain complexity over time mm-hmm. and it's very easy to have a handle on them when you are there for every step yeah um, and then when you're just suddenly surrounded by a bunch of code that you didn't write that you know does something extremely complicated you're like oh, what do i do yeah um, And, like, I'm in a pretty supportive environment, so it's great. (laughs) People are willing to explain things to me. And I think some number of the things that I was learning aren't things I strictly need to know or I don't need to use. Right. Well, there's there's value in knowing a little bit about all the pieces. Right. And so I know a little bit about stuff that I don't have to do because it might come up in the future that something goes wrong with them, which causes problems in something that I do need to know. And having some sort of grasp about what's going on is useful. So that's good. A lot of what you do in QA is try to figure out where you think the problem is coming from. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that it's a problem with this service and that thing is related to this server over here and not that server over there is helpful in pointing somebody towards fixing it. Right. And so knowing a little bit about the bones is nice. Yeah. Knowing anything about programming in general, like you you can see this just, you know, having done some programming and then using other people's software and then you have bugs and crashes and things and you can just have these intuitions. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, it crashed here and that's probably a database error. Like the way this looks to me, it's right. like your database is down in the background. Right. I'm having this bug on my PlayStation. Well, specifically with Netflix. Okay. Things that are in 2.0 surround sound, so just in regular stereo Mm -hmm. and not 5.1 surround sound, don't play through my speakers. Hmm. But anything in 5.1 does play through my speakers. And they think it has something to do with permissions. So I'm good at doing bug reports. Right. (laughs) Especially to consumer-facing people that, you know, I employ their services or whatever. So it's just very funny because I, like, will do the text chat with their customer service people and i was like i'm just gonna do that again that's my (laughs) thing that i do tonight (laughs) because it's kind of fun and so it took a while to realize that that was the pattern so i can explain to you right now that it was the 2.0 things and not the five but i all i knew was that it was certain pieces of content and not others right yeah because you probably you don't like check that when you're like oh i'm gonna i would watch this but it's only in 2.0 so right it's it's hidden and it's not always obvious that it is an option and it doesn't say 2.0 it just says english mm-hmm. and it turns out to not matter what language it's in i checked so i've watched a whole bunch of little clips of things in italian and <laughs> german and various other things and i was noticing that newer things tended to work and mm-hmm. older things tended to not work. Right. Because they didn't broadcast things in 5.1 surround for, you know, Star Trek The Next Generation. Right. Although it was Deep Space Nine that I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so like, it's harder to figure that out, but it's it's dumb. It still doesn't work. I'm really annoyed because I can't watch yeah, that's funny. things on my huh? projector. Yeah, that's a funny bug. Yeah. 
and they just haven't fixed it yet. Hmm. It makes no sense. There's not anything wrong with the rest of my equipment because it works. Right. Yeah. yeah. In certain circumstances. Well, well, there you go. <laughs> and that's related somehow. Uh, in other news about you know the status of equipment in in your house, um, <laughs> we're at a new table. <laughs> that's true. I got a new another table. Uh, no, well, the last time I just put new legs on the old table, and now I have a brand new table right. in my dining room. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's stable. We have to keep people updated. About it. <laughs> it's I'm not, very I'm not important. Going. It's uh, yeah, it's still in coaster using phase. So. Right. Yeah. I've Eventually, we'll just stop using coasters. But right now, we've had it for like less than a week. Yep. It's this is a very nice table. Uh, yeah, so the, the big news for me, uh, well, there's a couple pieces of news. One is that we live in, in the Boston area, in Somerville, and we have had a series of blizzards, a series of mm-hmm. nor'easters, you know, three in like a week or something. Yeah, it just keeps um, snowing. And it was funny because it was near the end of the winter, and I was like, oh, I guess we're just not going to get any more snow. And then, and then bam, we got a lot. Yeah, in Uh, New England, at least, March is a winter month. Yeah. It is not the spring yet until it's April. But yeah, so because of my job, which is with children and teaching, we have snow day. You know, and I... I understand that a lot of people out there don't have snow days and instead they just have to drive on dangerous roads and bad traffic. And so it's terrible and shovel things and it's just a huge hassle for their life or they have to figure out what to do with their kids who have snow days and it's all very difficult for them and that's that's too bad for all of you and I'm sorry, but but it's really great. I love I love myself a snow day. <laughs> yeah, I had a snow day yesterday. Yeah. Which apparently doesn't happen very often that MIT has a snow day. Yeah. But apparently they did it yesterday because it was just buckets of snow. It was crazy yesterday. Um, I was shoveling, and I would shovel a bit, and by the time I finished, you know, it wasn't that much. It was like maybe 10 minutes of shoveling. There was another inch of snow on the ground in what I had shoveled previously, which makes it hard to feel... It makes it hard to feel like you're accomplishing anything. Right, yeah. Despite the fact that you are doing extremely important work, and it's much easier to do it slowly over time, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it just doesn't feel (laughs) easier. (laughs) But, But it does just kind of seem like uh it's like laundry you're like Mm. uh, you never feel like you've accomplished laundry (laughs) (laughs) there's always more but one of the things that that series of snow days has meant is that i spent some like dedicated time working on our programming project Mm. on our our video game i mean i've been doing this more lately kind of just jump back into it and i guess you know i just completed a major overhaul of the movement code in our game. So our game is a 2D platformer where you move a little robot around. I think a cute robot Oh, yeah, yeah. A very cute robot. So doing an overhaul of the movement code is a lot of the code. (laughs) That's true. And... We started writing this this game a long time ago. Years um, now. And with, you know, very little game programming experience. Right. And I had more programming experience than, than you. And I had done some kinds of graphic stuff, some, like, simulation things and things mm-hmm. like that for my previous architecture job. But I was not an extremely talented programmer. <laughs> I was no, there was no danger of me mm. being, like, an expert in anything. But I guess I'm trying to imagine how that's a danger. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I didn't know nothing, right? I had a lot of programming experience mm-hmm. compared to most people, but still had never done a project like this and, and never done a video game. And also neither of us had ever used Unity before. Which... Yeah, it was like in part an excuse to just start using Unity. Right, yeah. 
which is the game engine that we're using and have been using. And so we wrote a bunch of code and you write bad code the first time you write it and mm-hmm. then you fix it and then throw it away and then you write it again and you fix right. it. And It's like my tile canvas. <laughs> yeah. So I've been working on this editor. Which is editor. just a funny, like two different metaphors as well. A right. tile canvas. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's a canvas of tiles. It's just a part of a menu that has the different types of tiles you can click and lay out. And I don't know what I was thinking when, when <laughs> making it the last time. And part of it was, I think, maybe you had set up some of the stuff and then I sort of took over the, the editor project. Right. And so, like, it was some of what you had done and then I... I don't know. The whole idea is that it auto-populates with stuff so that you can pretty easily add new kinds of tiles. Right, yeah. You don't want to hard-code in everything. You want to store the kinds of tiles and the kinds of things you're going to interact with in the world as data rather than as code. Right. But it's just, it's in the wrong spot. It's always there and it shouldn't (laughs) always be there. And it's one of the more rigidly made things. And actually, I think since then, I learned a lot about how the UI works. So I now have to redo that thing to get it out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But the idea of like going back and, you know, the things that I did at the beginning when I was learning are terrible. And the the stuff I'm doing now is much nicer and cleaner and works better. Um, Yeah. And it's down the road. You can note how terrible it is. But, Mm -hmm. But I rewrote this this movement code a bunch of different times and trying to solve various little little problems, right? So if you are standing on a moving platform next to a box that's also on a moving platform, you need to make sure that the box gets moved one of you has to get moved before the other mm. because if you know when the platform moves it has to take you both with it and for one thing they are both going to move based on two different lines of code which are run sequentially so right. literally one of them has to move before the other yeah they can't move simultaneously and either one has to move before the other or you have to write your code in such a way that it's okay for objects to overlap in the middle of a frame and you deal with unoverlapping them you, you try to make sure they're unoverlapped by the end of the frame right um, and that that's one way to try to solve that. Mm-hmm. And I tried to solve this in a bunch of different ways and was surprised to find a lack of really solid consensus good advice on internet research. Well, there's some really good examples of how it's bad and you have to redo what Unity has built in. Right. Because there's some great things of like, I don't know, it might have been bits of Goat Simulator or something <laughs> else where there's just some stuff stacked on top of each other and then suddenly a car will launch into space <laughs> or like things like right appear in the ground out of the ground in the ground out of the ground and then eventually there's really good gifs of bugs that are happening in people's games and some of the defaults in unity the default physics stuff which we're not using because of this is like kind of bad in a way that solves that problem right it solves it but it makes everything kind of feel like you're on the moon yeah which is undesirable unless you're making Kerbal Space Program right I mean some games have like um, like Limbo has a very very floaty yeah. physics-y feel to it which I think is fine it works right. in that game in large part I think because the game has this like really slow ethereal weird 
Yeah. Like, it's, it's fine for it to be weird and the, feel weird. So, so essentially, there's two ways to solve this problem, <laughs> and one of them is through code, and the other is through aesthetics. Right. Um, and it might be that it's easier to solve it through aesthetics. And some of my opinions about how much I want to solve problems and how much I want to work around those problems <laughs> have shifted over time. <laughs> yeah. Based on how much time you have. How much time it has taken to solve them. But, but so I rewrote all this code, and I wrote all this code, and I threw it away, and I wrote it again, and I, you know, like, tried a bunch of different things. So, so I haven't looked. I was working on the code a while ago, but, like, years now yeah. of that code. And I've basically just not looked at it, because yeah. the second time you threw it all away, I was like, all right, I'm not going to really follow along, because this might go away again. But then, and then, like, last year was just a really difficult and really, like, busy year at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have, you know, like, any free time to, to work on anything. But I, like, started looking at it again, and I'm like, man, you go back and you look at this stuff that you did, and it's so confusing. And mm. you, you know, ideally it's less confusing because you've explained some things. But right. even, you know, just thinking about the way that, like, complexity accrues over time, you know, you just you take a break from it. And then mm. it's like you're that new hire oh, in the organization. Right. <laughs> so it's really nice if you leave yourself good notes. Yeah. That's like maybe the best plan here. And I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast, but we've definitely talked about it in person. Yeah. With or without <laughs> microphones, which is that if you just write pseudocode. Yeah. Like in comments and then write the function that's going to solve the problem or whatever amount of code you're going to write. So pseudocode being not actual code, but written in English explaining what your code is going to do or what your code does move the robot towards the box as far as it can go right and then sometimes even a little bit more specific like you might start with that and then you're going to say you'll just write the words change x by distance to box minus whatever so you might actually get more and more specific and then you go in and you set x equals yeah these lines of actual code but because you've planned the function Mm-hmm. Plan the thing you're going to write. You are you just have this great comment that explains exactly what the code's doing. Right. Because you thought it through first. Right. And the trick here is leave that in. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to throw that away. You're not like, oh, well, now I've finished it and my code is so perfect and readable, I can throw this, <laughs> this comment away. That was a thing that I read as a suggestion in, now I can't remember, a book I read. It was called, like, Clean Code or something like that. There is a book called um, Clean Code that's sitting in my Amazon uh, wish list right now. I think that's what it was, but I'm not sure. Mm. Um, but the other thing that I have taken to doing in coding is, when I make a change to the code, mm-hmm. and mostly that writing a comment in pseudocode before you write the function is great if you're writing new code. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, only you're only doing that about like twenty percent of the time or something, right? right? Like most of the time, you are making changes to code that exists. Right. For one thing, that new code you just wrote probably doesn't work. Right. <laughs> so the next you know hour is sitting there and making that function you wrote work. And one of the things that I noticed that I, w- I was doing um, sometimes is that I was like kind of bug fixing my into loops and I would do this mm. like mostly if I was staying up too late or working on a project but not paying enough attention to it I'd get impatient sometimes when you're coding you start to kind of thrash and flail and you're like I don't know maybe this will do it <laughs> I don't know maybe this will do it I don't know right. what the problem is I'll just change stuff well that's because sometimes that works yeah so there's a good reason to do that which is every once in a while you just say well what if I just multiply them together and then you're like oh that, that fixed it it works perfectly now but uh, sometimes you're like what if I just multiply it together and you're like, oh, it shot backwards. <laughs> right. And 
and and that's fine and, and good and and sometimes it fixes your problem and more often than not it maybe doesn't fix the problem but you gain some insight mm-hmm. if you're being relatively thoughtful about it as you do it right <laughs> but if it's like 1am and you're just really trying to fix this bug before you go to bed and you're not making any progress and you're just like changing random stuff mm-hmm. you're probably just going to keep breaking things to go to bed but I realized that I would like fix a bug but I would do it by changing code that just introduced another bug mm-hmm. because what I was doing was I was removing my bug fixes because oh. it turns out like my bug fixes introduce bugs right because sometimes that happens and so i was doing it in like a big circle it was Mm -hmm. like there were like five bug fixes that every time i I like i'm like oh i have this problem oh if i change this you probably would have noticed just a two (laughs) two cycle where you're like i did it and added this bug and then i undid it and added that other bug back that way you would have noticed but if you go through multiple steps yeah. you can easily and and right and at a certain point if you're not paying enough attention you've like made these changes and you don't really know which one fixed it and you know if you're being disciplined what you should do is go back and look at all the changes you made and then maybe mm-hmm. unmake them and be like wait okay. did did all of these things fix the bug or did one of these things fix uh, the bug um, yeah. you don't necessarily need to leave like the complexity of a bunch of random if statements that you put places hoping it would fix a bug. <laughs> right. And sometimes you do. Yeah. But I, so I, was, I was in this loop and then I realized every time I made a change to code, if I didn't have a really, really solid sense of why, like every once in a while you make a change, you're like, oh, this should just be an or. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I'm checking one condition. I really need to be checking two conditions. Right? Oh, like, yeah. You know, I need to be checking if I'm standing on the ground or hanging on the ground to stop falling. Like, that's pretty clear, and adding that right that or there isn't going to be confusing. But, mm-hmm. but if you're making, like, any kind of more substantive change or a change that doesn't have an obvious, a really, really obvious direct purpose, I just started commenting out the line of code I was changing, um, mm. copying it, and then writing a note about what I was doing. Like, like I changed this line to this to fix this bug. Mm-hmm. And then when I go back and I'm tempted to, like, delete that line of code and change it back to the other thing, I can see that, right. that comment be like, hmm, I changed that before for a reason. Yeah, and and this is one of those practices that is good. You're leaving notes, and that's right. great. But probably it doesn't scale up too well. I mean, leaving lots and lots of old code right. in your code is probably bad well, it's, it's, in some ways. it's Yeah, and the stuff that you leave there while you're working before you have something really solid, right? Like, eventually you're like, okay, I have all the little bits solved. There's like 10 cases that you're checking, and you're Mm -hmm. like, do I still have the momentum of the moving platform if I drop off of it? What if I walk off of it? What if I jump off of it? What if I jump while running? (laughs) You know, what if I get pushed by another thing? Mm. Um, And then you're testing all those cases, and you're kind of fixing them one at a time because it turns out maybe... Maybe you can treat them all as the same thing, but probably there's like some little things that are different and yeah. you know, the process of converting them all into being the same thing is its own mm. way of treating them as separate cases, right? Right. And then once you have all those and you're like, Great, I did it, it's working, it's solid, I no longer need to leave all these Right, right. All these like old and then you can clean up yeah. after yourself at the end. Right. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. And then if there's anything still confusing, write a comment about it for in that cleanup <laughs> right. stage, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. this is what this is doing. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's uh, a lot of what I've been up to. Right. It's been fun. Yeah, I, I've had less motivation at home to work on code since I started working. Because I just spend much of my day cramming information into my brain. 
Yeah. Which makes it a little bit... I think pretty soon I will be a little bit more up to speed and less just like... Well, at the moment also, I mean, your, your job is new enough that like every day is probably different, right? Like you don't mm. you don't have a routine solidly. Like, I'm mean, yeah. sure you do a certain to a certain extent, but like mm. it takes some time to be like, this is what my job is. I come in, I do these things for this right. period of time, then I do some other stuff. And Right, yeah, I don't know exactly what that is. And also I'm uh, like today I spent a whole long time looking at a new testing tool mm-hmm. which you know does does some of the automation for you and I was just like looking at it seeing if it fit our needs if you could do all the things that you know it's a tool that's supposed to do some things better than what, what's in place now and just making sure that we didn't it doesn't lose functionality right and it seems to be good but I spent all day just reading documentation and like reading through examples and tutorials and I wrote a few tests in it and which worked which is great <laughs> yeah you could run them from the command line which is nice if you can do things from the command line it means you can have a robot do it on a server and run them remotely which is great yeah and so since the whole point is to get robots to do the work that's good so it seems good but like that was like a new thing. I won't do that every day. Right. But I might do it some amount of the time. Right. And you might you might do something like that most days. And, probably not. Right. And but probably tomorrow I'll do more of it. Right. I mean, not exactly the same thing because that would be dumb. But like learning about a new tool and figuring out whether a new tool is implementable or good or whatever. That, yeah. That's a class of thing. Right. Um, yeah, that I will do. And then I'll be, like, re-implementing some things that, that have already been done in the new thing to see how well that works is, like, one of the next things I'll do. Which is cool. Right? It's like, I don't know, I get to learn things and figure things out and make decisions, even though it's, you know, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, want to take a short break? Yeah. And then... and then we can maybe talk about some games. Yeah. <laughs> some uh, games that we're playing. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. See you in a minute. And we're back. Hello. So, we had a fine break. Yeah, good. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, we want to talk about some games that maybe we've been playing recently. Well, first of all, I, um, I made it to space. In, in Flop Rocket. Oh, you did? Oh, <laughs> it's very satisfying. <laughs> and it was funny because a while ago, I emailed you, and I was like, what, what's, how do you use juice? Oh, um, yeah. And juice is a currency thing you can get and then spend on upgrades. Right. You, you um, get it by accomplishing arbitrary tasks while flying your rocket. Yeah. And I just didn't know what it was for or how to, how to use it. Mm-hmm. It turns out there's just this menu, and you can just press buttons. And it's right there. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, the it's, whole it's, time. Um, but I, I didn't see it or whatever. I never paid attention. So then I, like, learned that. And mm-hmm. and then I had, like, 600 juice or something. You know, I had, like, some just extremely <laughs> large amount of juice because I had never used any of it. Yeah, and some of it is hard to get, and some of it is very easy to get. Yeah. Like break three stalactites or right. stalagmites but they're everywhere and you can't help but break them right it is likely to be why you die because <laughs> right. you broke three stalactites <laughs> right and it was the game was just a whole lot easier when i realized that oh, yeah. like you could start with full armor and not just try to collect armor on the way out and, yeah it matters <laughs> <laughs> it makes a huge difference and you had bought all the upgrades, or a lot of the upgrades, I guess? I bought many upgrades, okay. but not all. You also earn money a lot faster if you're, you know, spending juice on things because you get to go further. And... Oh, yeah, and the big money is at the end. Right, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that was funny because I was like, learned, I learned one of the mechanics of the game worked, and then right. it was a lot easier. And I was like, oh. Yeah, so I really like the Butterscotch Shenanigans guys, and I, I like that game a lot. I will say 
that one of their weaknesses is getting you to notice features of their games. <laughs> they're there and they're good, but for some reason, I think over time they've gotten better. Like Crashlands is better at pointing things out. Except that it has a number of features that they don't teach you about also. Where I'm like, oh, it turns out that I can equip these things in this menu, which I had not noticed or ever realized that I had to do anything with. Even though it's right there, it like has an overlay on the screen right. and you can press it. Yeah. And then you're in this other menu where you can equip things. You just don't actually have to manually equip things because when you make something, it appears on the screen and you can press a button to equip. Mm -hmm. And so, like, then you can make trinkets, which are bonuses to some stat. Sure. But you have to go into this other menu to do that. Or maybe you can do it from when you first make it, but you can't. I don't know. It's not hidden. It's just not really shown right. to you. I yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think uh, is funny about the the flop racket thing, um, I think it's very, it's very clear. Right, it's right there. It's at the beginning of the thing. Oh it's yeah. Just, but but you never have to do it. Oh yeah. Um, and the game is fine. You can play it without buying anything at the beginning, mm -hmm. and you can enjoy it and do lots of things. Yeah. Um, if I don't want to play for very long, I'll purposefully not buy any of right. the upgrades. Yeah. And I was getting better and being successful. You know, like, I wasn't getting to space, but I was I was right. feeling successful. Mm -hmm. There was no point when I was, like, really needed to do it. Mm -hmm. Um like, I needed to do it in order to win. I didn't win until I learned about that thing. But mm. but I didn't need to do it in order to be enjoying playing the game. Yeah. So I think that that's partially why I didn't notice it, is because the game seemed reasonably complete already. Right. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking, like, I don't know, Final Fantasy VII. Mm -hmm. They build materia into the lore of the game and right. then you're like they make sure that you get a new one in the beginning and you go in and you equip it it's like built in to teach you how to use this whole thing right and some and, characters like come with materia equipped and you know so you right you're like required to see it there and yeah and that game is primarily about menus so you, you do a lot of going in and out of menus and doing things right it's pretty inconceivable that you would play through final fantasy and not realize that you could like equip new weapons right that you'd... right although cloud basically doesn't get a better weapon until like you leave midgard mm -hmm. so you you just have that same stupid sword the whole time and then you always have it you can't sell that sword because he needs it for cutscenes, right which is kind of funny yeah I like the sword. <laughs> it pulls it out when it's time to do something really dramatic. Right. Well, and and the very, very last fight, it's equipped, no matter what you had before. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like the last little one where you only have one option and it's Omnislash. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just there. <laughs> Once I lost because I just wasn't paying attention and the timer <laughs> ran out and then I got killed. You're just supposed to instantly win. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that battle takes a long time, too. Mm -hmm. the, the preliminary battle. Yeah, especially if you cast Knights of the Round on 4X. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, is one way to win. That's the longest animation for any action that you do in any game. Yeah. Yeah, the the length of that animation makes the, the fighting of the weapons a little bit silly. Because um, you have to, you just have to do it again. Like, right. And you get the 4X material, yeah. I'm sure. Mm. Anyway, but one thing is that that game teaches you how to play it. Right in a way that like you don't miss features of how to do it i mean they're not that many like lots of games manage to do that but for some reason there's just something in every one of their games where you're like oh i i see that's 
what is happening there. Yeah, I guess like, on, on their podcast, they talk about the dash feature in Quadruposts Rampage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and how people don't, you know, they like a tooltip shows up and it's like, hold down to dash and people don't read it. And Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's there. Well, I don't remember the tooltip. And they talk about how like just putting text is not a helpful way to show people things. Right. Because they don't read things. The people. Yeah. <laughs> There are other ways to draw attention to things that aren't just putting text out. Right. Yeah. And I think like one of the, the best ways is gating progress, where you can't make more right. progress than this, and it's very clear. But you right. have to make it really clear, because otherwise it's just confusing, right? Right. Like, you also have to make it clear that that is the thing that they're supposed to do. Yeah. Like, they can't just be like, oh, well, I'll just wander somewhere else, and then... Right. Yeah, or if you're trying to introduce, like, double jump, and you make it so that there's a jump that you can't do without double jump, it needs to be really obvious that you can't just do it if you just jump a little better. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's one of the problems with just having physics be in your game mm -hmm. is, oh, I feel like if I just am a little bit farther to the edge or I balance these things exactly right, then I'll be able to, I don't know, right. jump on that texture over there. I don't know. I've been playing this game on my phone. That's the main game I've been playing, which is called something. Oh, is that the one that I that I played for a second and died yeah. on? Yeah. Oh, Wayward Sword. I don't know. It was like a dollar, four dollars, something. Some yeah. small number of dollars. Yeah, because I've stopped trying to download free games because they're bad. Yeah. There's... I just don't want anything free. Hmm. I mean, I just don't want to see ads. I just don't... Yeah, like a really good game for free but that I knew was really good like yeah. if somebody's like here's a free copy of Portal yeah but in general if if it's a good game on the phone and it's free and it's secretly ad supported or you know it's ad supported or it has skin game purchases or I just, I just want to be like oh, can I just buy just let me give you some money I don't want <laughs> so I don't have to see your yeah, in game purchases like I just don't want to see all that stuff and the amounts of money that you have to spend to buy a game on the phone are very small and you don't have to pull out a wallet um, even <laughs> like, I, I just signed up for um, the ad free weather underground app oh. and I was like I'll pay two dollars a year you know what okay. and I have to scroll less um, all right i don't have to scroll past an ad that's worth two dollars here yeah that's pretty cheap <laughs> <laughs> so this is this game is kind of fun you're either a warrior or a mage or a rogue or you know like you like you yep. do is it can you be a priest of some kind uh no you're like so kind of healing class i don't know <laughs> i haven't tried all um, right there's there's an adventurer that you have to unlock, which I've unlocked, but I haven't played as them yet. And there, let's see, warrior, mage, rogue, adventurer, spell sword, cultist. Oh. Yeah. All right. So the thing is, it's a roguelike, and I kind of hate roguelikes. Right. I don't hate this game because it does some things that are nice. Like, whatever money you get while going through this dungeon, you get to spend on upgrading your character. So they replace spells sometimes when you're casting them. Or you get more health when you go between levels. Or your energy regenerates faster. And there's, there's all these different things you can upgrade for your character. Okay. So there is some form of forward progress. What you mean between... Between lives. Lives, okay. Yeah. So you die, and you have to start from the beginning, except you're a little better off, and you can uh -huh. upgrade some of your skills, and so on and so forth. And so the other thing that's kind of neat that it does is there's like four levels, and then you fight a boss, and then now you can restart after that boss. So you don't actually have to start all the way from the beginning every time you start. Mm -hmm. One of the things I find about these games 
roguelikes in general, and this mitigates some of this problem, but not all of it, is that when after I die, I really don't want to play again. <laughs> I just feel like, oh, well, now I'm done, and I feel like I'm at square one, and everything is terrible. I'm like, well, I'll just play a different game now. Right. Which is maybe not what you want. Mm-hmm. If you don't want that from your players, you want them to really want to do it again. And this is nice because you get to upgrade and then you get to see how that went. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, you might want your players to want to do it again in a little bit. Right? Yeah. Like it might yeah, not I, be that bad. To... Yeah, I just, I don't really like it that much. Yeah. And it's actually fine on a phone game. Because mm-hmm. phone games are really designed for more, like, casual and very short period of play. Like, I don't really, on that phone, want to sit down and play any game for hours. Right. That sounds not good. But what I don't necessarily like is... I don't know why people seem to think... And by people, I mean the people who make roguelikes. Mm -hmm. They seem to think... that The thing that you want to do the most... That's the best thing for you to do as a player... Is play the very beginning of the game. Is that really the most interesting or good part of your game that right. you want me to spend the most time with? Because every time I die, I have to replay the beginning of the game. Yeah. But it's not necessarily the best part. The best part is, you know, probably later in the game. I don't know. I don't get very far in roguelikes. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the of course, the goal is to create this feeling of there being high stakes. Right. But you only get that feeling late in the game, right? Because mm-hmm. early in the game if you die well whatever you don't lose very much progress Uh yeah i understand that the goal is to make them feel like there are stakes but the punishment is kind of brutal in that what you've done is make me play a less fun part of your game now Right. The thing that's weird is the punishment or the the need for the player to not like something, right? Where you're like, we want to have the player have a bad experience because it is the threat of this bad experience that lends, you know, additional weight and fun and meaning to the rest of the game. But, like, do do you really... I don't really want to have the bad experience. (laughs) So the easiest way for me to not have it is to not play your game. Right. And I think different roguelikes do it, you know, there's a pretty big genre. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that in Rogue and, like, the very traditional classic roguelikes, like uh, NetHack and... Like, where your letters? uh, Yeah, yeah, the games where your letters. Um, (laughs) Or you're sometimes a little smiley face, but everything Uh, else is a letter. Yeah. Um, That little ASCII smiley face character. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, (laughs) I, I feel like there's a puzzle element to the early game where you are so fragile and you have so little power that mm. it's very easy to die very right. early on. Mm. And you, there tends to be like a... If you get past the early stages of at least Rogue, you are very likely to have a long game. Okay. Um, and then after a certain point, you're likely to die again. Like So your, your chances of dying are very, very high at the beginning of the game, and they're very, very high in the latter third of the game. Okay. The, the middle third, you kind of like coast through. And, I see. And that's just like a power ballot. And I don't know if, that, if that's deliberate or if it's just mm. the way that... I'll take that back. I'm almost certain that in the original Rogue, it was not deliberate. Because okay. I think that there just wasn't a lot of attention and thought around to do like a lot of mechanical ideas back then because hmm. people were inventing whole new genres and whole right. new things, right? Like, right. Um, there weren't a lot of games to compare games to. Yeah. It's also funny because as a genre, mostly every arcade game is a roguelike right. in some way. Like Tetris, Asteroids... Right. You go, and then you die, and then you have to start 
from the beginning right. and you lose your progress. Like that element of a roguelike, which is sort right. of I mean Super Mario Brothers is a roguelike. Right. I mean you get to die three times, but right. in But the, if you just call that health. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> with a respawn back a little. Every time you take a point of damage, you go backwards a little. That element was just common. And I was thinking about this when I was playing a whole bunch of Flock Brocket, uh, because it's in some ways a roguelike. I mean, it's an arcadey game. Right. It's what I mean, mostly. I was like, oh yeah, that feature is a feature of arcade style games where you just play until you die and then you start over from the beginning. Yeah, and you don't save. And in you know, in the past, not saving your progress was partially just a hardware constraint. Uh-huh. Um, you know, in arcade machines it was a money-making slash resource sharing constraint, right? You right. don't don't want the same person right playing on the machine for all day, <laughs> right for one quarter. <laughs> for one quarter. But I guess roguelike the thing that gives it permadeath meaning is it being a game that is long enough that you can save your progress, right? So mm. in Rogue and a lot of these traditional roguelikes, you can save your progress at any time hmm. so that you can stop playing oh, okay. and come back later. Right? I see. But if you die, you do not have your progress saved. Right, it, like, it you, wipes your progress. Right, yeah, your progress is destroyed. Right, so the game is long enough that it must be played through over many sessions, Yeah. but the progress is lost. Mm. Um, we had a... Um, Chopper Command. Okay. For the something eighty six. That's not Choplifter. Choplifter is a different game. <laughs> Choplifter. Choplifter. Oh. No, in Chopper Command, I think you could shoot things and you could drop bombs, maybe, and then you could fly around and you had you had different missions that you had to do hmm. and you would go up in rank. And then if ever you died, you would lose all of your rank and start over. So you could play and you would save it. So it was very much the same thing where you had progress. You could keep going. And if you bumped into anything, you exploded. Mm -hmm. If you got shot, you exploded. It was a skill game. You couldn't plan things out or, I don't know. And you were a helicopter. Sometimes I think you were a missile Hmm. and you had to fly through anti-aircraft barrages. Weird. Yeah. Anyway... And so my cousin and I would play this a bunch, and if we died, we would yank the power out of the back of the computer so it wouldn't wipe our save. Oh, yeah. So we're probably some amount of what was wrong with that computer. (laughs) (laughs) And so I would do that sometimes, and or you know just turn it off or whatever. Right, but yeah. but if you did it fast enough, right, you could stop it from wiping your progress, and then you could go back and try another mission. So like I went through many lengths to avoid that terrible, terrible outcome. Although in this case, your rank had nothing to do. There was no progress. Uh huh. You just kept doing whatever these missions were. And- yeah. yeah, and you can survive or not. But that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I should not have done that. Why did they build that in? I don't know. Yeah, it's like um, how people disconnect in multiplayer matches. Mm. Um, except you're disconnecting <laughs> from the computer. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Roguelikes are kind of annoying. I've also been playing this point-and-click adventure game on an iPad called Inner World. <laughs> I just think of it as the flute nose game. <laughs> I see. Because you're this guy. Do you have a flute for a nose? You do. Oh, all right. <laughs> and it's silly and funny. And you change characters partway through to this woman who she is like kind of surly and condescending and mean to you. 
and she's it's like making fun of you for just trying objects on objects okay but it's a point and click adventure game right that's what you do and so she's really unpleasant to play as because she's just <laughs> constantly making fun of you because they made a game that doesn't make any sense because point and click adventure games are, are just a really weird genre yeah you're like solving a puzzle you can't see the air quotes right, but no, they're happening yeah they're pretty intense uh, yeah you're solving a puzzle but the solution often makes no sense whatsoever right it's like drop the honeycomb near the haystack so the ants arrive and take a needle out of it yeah <laughs> but you're like why would i know to use the honeycomb on the haystack. Right. Like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You might need a needle. Right. And maybe you think, oh, I have to do something to that haystack. But there's no reason to think that it's any particular object. Yeah. A lot of times there are these, like, Rube Goldbergian solution mechanisms. And there, there's something that's funny about that, or fun, right? Uh -huh. Like, the wacky things that can happen sometimes in these games. Yeah. They're, like, jokes, but they're jokes that you get later, and you have to, like, do this really weird tedious thing to get yeah. to them a lot of which is try every object on right. every yeah. object recipient right and you just do that over and over and over again and yeah. sometimes they tell fun stories or they're usually full of jokes right some of them are more serious than others but i don't know why you... would you call mist a pointed and click adventure game yeah i don't know kind of but not really it's very different um you don't like collect items in the same way like you do get I... item but I don't think I've ever actually played Mist. Yeah, I played it when it, when it came out, but it was it was a while ago, um, and I don't remember it all that well. I don't think we had a CD-ROM. Yeah, I, I played out. it on my friend's computer, and he had a, a single-speed CD-ROM, and it was so slow. Oh. It was seconds between every screen. That's like, a lot. And, you know, you'd have to, like, walk across the island, mm. you know? So <laughs> this is, like, you know, minutes of just loading. Right. To like go from point A to point B because you realize you had to go somewhere. And it is puzzly. Yeah. Right? So like you might not be walking to the right place when you're doing that. Right. Yeah, it was very, very frustrating. So that's mm. what I remember about Mist mostly. I remember liking it and being interested and like slogging through that, the loading's time. It's probably super fast now. Oh, yeah, but I don't really remember it mm. beyond that. I think it's funny how they called them single speed or like quad speed. Right. 16x. Yeah, but, well, they kind of no longer do, I guess, probably. Well, they do sometimes. Oh. They'll call, like, the Blu-ray drive that I have. Yeah, there was an original speed. Right, but they don't say, oh, that's 100 RPM and this is right. 200 RPM. Yeah, it's kind of like if you took a car now and called it, like, a, a three-speed because cars used to only be able to go 20 miles an hour, you know, like... Oh, uh, right, a 3X. Five, a 5X speed. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because the original cars <laughs> had a top speed of something. Yeah, that's true. Let's not move to that standard. Because, yeah, because measuring speed by reference to an original object kind from, like, 1992. <laughs> it's pretty weird. Yeah, I don't think by the time we got a computer with a CD-ROM in it, it was single speed. Yeah. We were, like, 4X, I think, is what it was. Yeah. That's so funny. And you were playing another new game. Yeah, I don't need to say too much about it. We're going to wrap up pretty, pretty mm -hmm. soon. But So I was playing Zelda before, and I got kind of like 
caught in a slog in a Zelda slog mm. where it just seems like oh I can sit down and I'm like I could play some Zelda but I just have to walk across the world and find some shrines <laughs> and you know like I'm gonna have to go to find a shrine and solve a puzzle and that just seems like work and of course that's the game so it's <laughs> <laughs> finding shrines and solving puzzles yeah um, and at the beginning I was like cool I'm gonna go find some shrines yeah, yeah, and yeah. solve some puzzles right but now it's a little too open worldy for me and I'll see if I get enthusiastic again mm-hmm. yeah I mean, I think open worlds are fun, but, like, I've never beaten a Fallout. Right. Or a Elder Scrolls game. Yeah, so, like, I've, you know, solved, like, 60 of the 120 shrines or something, and I could probably, like, rush through and... It's, it's a little bit like what Jeff was talking about before. There's this feeling that the designer wants you to play it in a certain mm-hmm. way, and so I feel like I could probably sit down to Zelda and then just finish the two big bosses and then go try to kill Ganon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would skip, you know, literally half the game. Yeah. And I could just do that and I could get my satisfaction and be like, call the game complete. And I might enjoy that. Mm-hmm. But instead, I have this feeling that I'm supposed to play a different way. And so. You're missing something. Yeah. And so, what I've done instead is I uh, got Super Mario Odyssey, um, <laughs> which. A solution to that problem. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to think about shrines. And just moons. Just they got to get a lot of moons. And it's really fun. It's so just juicy. Mm. Um, it's like the movement mechanics are so tight and clean. And it's still a 3D game, so it's confusing. And uh, I don't know. 3D games are hard to control. Um, <laughs> cameras are annoying. and There's a lot of things that I don't like about navigating a three-dimensional space, but it's it's pretty doable. But it's just so enthusiastic. And it, like, opens up early on. You get to throw your cap on a T-Rex and, like, drive a T-Rex around and <laughs> smash through walls. And Who doesn't want to drive a T-Rex around? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, it's my, I'm playing Mario and I'm controlling a dinosaur. But it's just so filled with, like, enthusiasm. Mm. So and it's just like you know because Mario also he, like it's got all these great sound effects like woohoo <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like first of all this Mario is always having a good time right. and so you're kind of always having a good time yeah it's like you can't help but <laughs> have a good time and then there's just so many little things to get right mm-hmm. it's like a collectible thing and it's got little metrics for you know how many of them there are in the level you gotta get okay. moons and then there's so in some ways is it an open world game? yeah but it's very constrained like it is an open world game but you're in a level mm. um, and the level is relatively small mm. it's not tiny right and so you explore the level and every level has its own currency um, that oh. you can get only in that level and you can you can buy costumes I think they're just cosmetic um, <laughs> okay. but there's different themed sure. costumes for every, every right. section mm. and then there's a bunch of moons if you collect a certain number of moons you can go on to the next world but mm-hmm. there's more moons in every world okay. so presumably there's some you know completion I see. thing you have to get a certain number in that one could you get like all of the moons in the first world and then skip the second one um yeah instantly? yeah well not entirely probably but mm, i see there's some bosses you know some like bowser henchmen that you have to beat up you know but it's funny how much like mario it feels too even That's good and i haven't played i didn't play mario 64 much yeah, and i, I didn't it play little. any marios after that i played a little of some of the other ones after like mario 64 and a little of the wii one you know so but they're these bosses and mario bosses are have always been really weird i think and you know, Mario 3. And that's, that's mostly what I'm thinking about as well. They're like a weird combination of really hard and really easy. Because um, mm. it, it always feels like if you get the timing slightly wrong, you're just dead. Right. Um, if you kill them before they ever get to 
jump, yeah. then you win. Um, and if you don't, then you lose. Yeah, and so you like struggle with them, but when you beat them, it just doesn't seem like you did anything hard. It mm-hmm. just you, you just did it. Right. Um, yeah. And these bosses have that feeling too. And the way I described that made it sound like I think that's bad, I think, but I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's bad. It's just a very like different way of having a boss, right? Like many games, like Mega Man, say, you know, or other games of like that, all right, you you beat this level, then you get to the boss, and this boss is like a, a culminating challenge hmm. but in mario games the level is the challenge usually and the I boss see. is like you know it's there for reasons because um, it's fun uh, right but it's you know like play that boss fight over and over again to get it right i never beat the first Mega Man because i got to the last boss who like breaks apart into pieces and slides mm. across the screen oh i love that and fight. he just killed me every time and it wasn't that fun to just um, go in and lose to it over yeah. and over again i really love that fight i love that mechanic it's I, cool. like there's something about that kind of dodging which is mm. really fun i think um, it also turns out that there's a way to cheat oh. which is if you're elect man and you shoot it and then you pause and unpause it over and over again uh, it gets hit every time to- multiple times you can hit- kill it with like one shot believable. yeah or two but essentially it always hit me right so i never could dodge through it Maybe an NES slows down when it has that many things on the screen and you can jump through. (laughs) Yeah, that might be. But I was playing on a... They re-released it for the PlayStation 2. Or like many Mega Mans for the PlayStation 2 and that's what I was playing. Um, And so that's mostly the version that I've played. But it feels a lot like Mario, but also it's just like so... I just keep saying it. It's just so fun. So, like, you get a moon, and then all the moons have, like, little captions. But then, like, mm-hmm. you and Cappy, like, do this little dance and fly around in circles, and everyone's <laughs> excited, and it's like, multi-moon on the moon tower. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah. I got it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And it's just so, you know, and this is what they, people say about Nintendo, and it's true, right? It's just, yeah. like, so purely fun, and they just, like, nail the delivery of it. so well right and we talked a little bit before because you mentioned some of this to me about how Jack and Daxter did something similar where you have a little friend who doesn't actually accomplish anything but Mm -hmm. he talks because you're the silent protagonist in Jack and Daxter Mm -hmm. and they do fun little like alley-oops the MacGuffin that you have to get a certain number of in order to advance the story it's sort of the same thing you have to get them and then you do a little dance and do a victory pose every time you get one and things glow and sparkle and it's it's not it's not strictly a nintendo thing right but when they do it it's definitely going for the same kind of fun whimsical yeah i I think that it's like fun it's also just really characterful right Mm -hmm. there's just so many opportunities to show off something right it makes me wonder whether just the act of having characters on the stage that are visibly happy and visibly entertained Uh um, makes the game more fun Right, because it's like you're hanging out with someone who's having fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> and as we know, having fun with friends <laughs> is fun. Yeah. And if they can trick you into thinking that they're your friends, yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's about that's about it. I think. Yeah, I think so too. It's an update of things that are going on. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. So I think we should maybe sign off and call people to action. Yeah. What kinds of actions would we like to call people um, to do? Well, they can send us an email. Yep. At uh, contact at sidequestspodcast.com. 
Yep, that's many side quests on a single one path. podcast. Yeah, one only one of those. And we would happily read and respond to your emails. You could also give us some likes or yeah, thumbs stars, or stars. Yeah, just anything. Um, and if you can, make that happen on iTunes. Yeah. If you can't, make it happen somewhere, somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere you, you can give us thumbs or stars. And reviews. Yeah. People seem to like it when Words. you review them. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you can give us on your platform of choice, yeah. just give it to us. Yeah, that would be great. And Tell some friends. Yeah, that's a um, good one. Yeah, I don't read iTunes reviews, <laughs> but I do listen to my friends. That's true. If you know any, like, what, nerdy teacher friends? Yeah. <laughs> or nerdy programmer friends? Or nerdy, basically, your nerd friends? Yeah, just, you, know, you probably have some. Yeah. You're listening to the podcast. <laughs> you made it this far. <laughs> you probably do have some nerdy friends. Yeah. Uh, those are all the all the actions we it's, want. We want our heroes. It's to... gotta be. If we try to give them any more, they might forget some of the yeah, ones we already we might said. Refuse the call. And yeah, we don't want that. We don't want that. We don't have to burn their farming village down or anything. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. Have fun. We're still working on exactly what our schedule is going to be. I like recording once a week, but we have to figure out what that actually means for getting them edited and put out there. So stay tuned. Yep. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.